Well, why don't we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your presence here today. Thank you for you, your love for us that's unfailing and unconditional. And thank you for what you want to do in our lives and in our community and in our families and in this region and in our nation and the nations of the world. Father, I ask that you'd help prepare our hearts for what you have in store for us. Would you anoint me to bring your word and would you anoint the ears of the hearers to hear and to run with your message. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Anyone else really sense the presence of the Lord this morning? It's still here so much to the point that I feel like I can hardly stand up. <laughs> um, he's so good. All right. I want to talk about when God's people humble themselves and what can happen and what I believe he wants to have happen. Um, so... Would you do me a favour, if you if you wouldn't mind? Can we kind of gather a bit closer together? Like all spread out, and I just just have this feeling like I don't know. God wants to really move in a way that's it's going to be um, personal, special. Feel the front row. <laughs> Come in close. And let's have like a big family conference. <laughs> so good. All right. Jacqueline's okay. I know you were all just comfortable too. You just warmed your seats up. <laughs> turn to this psalm, there's always something wonderful about seeing it in the scripture for yourself too. So Psalm 111. And um, we're looking at verse 9. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Now, awesome is uh, a word I love to use quite regularly. If something's going on, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. God's doing stuff. But when the word awesome is applied to him, we really need to stop and have a think about it. He has sent redemption to his people. Who in the room has been changed from darkness to light? Who's been redeemed here? Who's had God change them? We are the redeemed, which means that we are no longer part of the world system. We are no longer part of that antichrist spirit. We are no longer part of the fleshly realm. Even though we live in the flesh, we don't walk according to the flesh. We have been redeemed. Oh, and he's commanded his covenant, the covenant made with the blood of Jesus, forever. That's really good news. 
Do you know, they have something called the Constitution of the United States. And even though it's a, a solid document, there are things that are called amendments. And anything in this world, any contract, whatever, there can be the fine print, there can be an amendment, there can even be an annulment. But God's covenant lasts forever. So we are part of something that is completely unchanging. It's never going to be able to be changed. So we have something so sure, it's, it's sealed in the blood of Jesus. We can't, we can't sort of say, oh, yeah, salvation's not available today. Sorry, that was last week's special. But, you know, today it's, uh, well, we've got um, a few taste testers, but we're out of the full product. No, God's covenant is forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Are you hungry for him? Remember last week we dealt with distractions. We had a big box up here and, and we wrote on those pieces of paper things that were distracting us from him. And I believe he wants to take us even deeper today. So, all right, this is not working, sorry. That's all right, just made it noise. Um, going to fix it for me. I'm going to fix it. Mm. There you go. There we go. Thank you so much. All right. Habakkuk 3, 2. <sighs> you know when you memorize something in a certain version and then you look it up and you try and find it and it's a different version and you can't find it? Well, anyway, this took me a lot of searching because I needed it with this particular work. So this is the NIV, actually. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, if you read Habakkuk, he, wow, the prophecy he had was not good for the people. There was calamity coming. You know, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll of the spirit reap everlasting life. We are in a nation at the moment that is as fast as they can sowing to the flesh. They have deceived themselves into thinking that there are no consequences for sin. That if we don't call it sin, then it won't matter. We'll just call it the new normal, progressive, uh, liberated. The problem is there are consequences for sin. And I believe that unless our nation repents, we are headed for hard times. We are headed for judgment. This was Habakkuk after realising that the same scenario for his people. He had a heavy word on his heart for them. But he says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. Now I want to know in this room, 
How many of you have heard of God doing amazing things in times past? Like moves of God. Put your hand up for me. Have you heard of God doing amazing things? That's what Habakkuk's saying. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. He'd heard, I mean, probably one of the ones he'd heard about is the famous Red Sea crossing. And I I don't know if it really gets much more spectacular than that, by the way. (laughs) Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. I have a question for you, one that I have been intently pondering myself. Before I tell you the question, I'm going to tell you, ever since I was a small, small child, I had this desire to see Jesus do what Jesus did in the Bible times. If I saw a sick person down the street, everything in me wanted to say to them, Jesus can make you well. And I just wanted to see that same Jesus make them well. And then I began to hear about moves of God and and I began to study the revivals of old and I began to have a growing hunger that in our day, in our time, can't you do it again? But when I was at conference, there was a pastor who shared with us what's going on in his church. It started on Super Bowl Sunday back in August last year. And they are in a full-blown move of God to the point that he said it's commonplace to see crutches left up the front because people no longer need them. Wheelchairs abandoned. Incredible, amazing salvations. People's lives absolutely turned around. But he said it doesn't come without a cost. He had people leave his church because what God was doing just wasn't for them. And I began to think about Vineyard, our church. I know I don't always get to talk to all of you every Sunday, but there isn't one of you that I don't love very deeply, and Jeremy as well. You guys are our family. I'm just going to talk real family stuff with you today, okay? I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit here in Stanford. But will you all do the journey? Will you come along? Are we going to have to say goodbye to some of you? It breaks my heart. And I have to admit to you, I really wrestled. I said, God, one part of me wants you to do whatever you want to do so passionately. But the other part of me is like, I don't want anyone left behind. It's hard. I'm wrestling with this prayer. I want to say with all of my heart in our day and in our time, Lord, make it known. I want to see your spirit poured out. But I know when his spirit is truly poured out, like on the day of Pentecost, the church was never the same again. When God does what he wants, when it's truly his will being done, it's very different to our 
normal. But I actually think that that's the way he's always designed for us to live. Not with a um, token Christianity, but with a 100% sold out for God, I'm all in type of Christianity. I believe this is where he's leading us. Can we as a church cry out, revive us? When I was doing our first aid courses through the school, we would do parts of it was about learning CPR and how to do resuscitation. And really to me, that's what revival is. It's not that we don't know or we're not alive, but it's that we need that new breath breathed into us. We need a revival of what was once vibrant and alive. Revive us. <sighs> How do we get there? <laughs> Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. So this passage is particularly dear to me. Um, I've read it many times in my life. And today we're going to share it in it together. Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord. I want to stop there. If you research King Uzziah, he seems like he was a, a good king. Um, in fact, Isaiah had a lot to do with King Uzziah. Isaiah and Uzziah were uh, well acquainted. And Isaiah is a prophet, and he's heard the word of the Lord and, and given it before. But at this point in his life, one major thing changes, and that is that King Uzziah died. I want to put to us today, I don't know what has been enthroned in our life, but I believe, just like Isaiah, if we want to see the Lord, sitting on his throne, we first have to dethrone something that's taken his place in our lives. I don't know what it is that maybe has taken your adoration or your worship or your attention away from God, but in the year that King Uzziah died, finally Isaiah saw the Lord seated on the throne and he was high and lifted up. It tells us in Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I want to submit to you today that the devil is working hard to create circumstances that are making themselves exalted, that we look at them instead of God who is truly high and lifted up, truly exalted. And so he says those other things, you need to take them captive. Now, have you ever seen someone taken captive? Caroline, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. Can you come up here for a sec? Have you ever seen someone taken captive like this? <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's go to jail. <laughs> Doesn't happen, right? 
holding captive is an aggressive thing. Yeah. It's, it's whether you want to or not. Now, I'm not going to be aggressive, so you can sit down. Thank you. But I picture like a rope and, or handcuffs, you know. It's you are coming with me and you are going to jail. Take down, take captive every thought that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. Is there something I'm thinking about that is not honoring God? Then it's got to come down. And this is the point I believe God is wanting to bring us to, that we see him high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. <sighs> um, in our youth group, when I was a teenager, we did we did see a move of God come through our church, and it, it's something to this day that I think about so fondly. But we were passionate young people. We were so on fire for God. And we were seeing God move. Well, one day at youth, we're in the middle of the service. The youth pastor was up the front and he was teaching the word of God. And the back door opened and two girls walked in. Now, my sister and I turned just like that to get a glimpse to see who'd come in. And the same thing happened to us both instantly. We, we turned around, saw these girls and the spirit of the Lord came upon us so strongly with intercession. We both hit the deck. We had metal like legs on the chairs at the church there too. Only they were pews. And I remember gripping a hold of this leg, chair leg, kneeling on the floor and began to weep and wail for their salvation. Um, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't just like, oh. We were just saying, Jesus! We began to cry and to weep. We didn't know that those girls were witches. But they came in. I don't know what their intent was, but they came in the back door. They walked up the aisle to the front of the altar and they gave their life to Jesus because there was such a presence of God in the room. This is kind of like what Isaiah is saying. His train filled the temple. That deep presence of the Lord was there. And then he begins to see um, angels, seraphim, and, uh, oh, whoops, did I? Oh, that's right there. Okay. Um, their wings, you know, they covered their face, covered their feet, and two of their wings they flew with. And they cried to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Do you know in the book of Acts, it talks about persecution began to happen. And they gathered together. Not to say, oh, isn't it terrible what they're doing to us? But they said, oh, we're getting persecuted. Let's pray. God, would you grant us even more boldness to go and proclaim your word? And so 
intent was their desire to preach the gospel. It said that the house that they were in was shaken as the Holy Spirit began to fill that room once again. This is the place that Isaiah is in. And then in verse 4, sorry, in verse 5, in the midst of this holiness, in the midst of the throne room of God, Isaiah cries out and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. The first thing that has to happen in revival before we can see our, our town and our community saved is we have to have a personal revival. We have to repent. Isaiah, woe is me, he began to see his own sinful state. I am a man of unclean lips. Can you believe it? Isaiah was a prophet bringing the pure word of God. And yet he realized that even he, there was stuff coming out of his mouth that wasn't of God. And he said, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Sorry. Um, I, I meant to have that printed so I could be a bit more fluent. Sorry, people. Um, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Are we willing to allow God to bring his fire into our lives? You know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and it was the rushing mighty wind and then the tongues of fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit wants to first burn in us, burn away the dross, burn away the flesh, and burn in such a way that we become a light for God. This is what happened to Isaiah. And finally, once he's cleansed and his sin is dealt with, then, then he hears the voice of the Lord. He hears the discussion happening in heaven. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Jesus said, the harvest is actually plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, our seasonal workers, a lot of them aren't here today. Wonder what they're doing. It's harvest time. The laborers are few. Do you know when it's harvest time, you don't have months to get the harvest in? Sometimes you don't even have weeks, depending on what crop it is. You've got to work quickly. You've got to be focused. How many of us are realizing, yeah, there's a harvest, but oh, I'll go to it tomorrow. But Isaiah catches the heartbeat of heaven. He is completely changed. And when he hears the voice in heaven saying, who, who will I send? Who will go for us? 
His heart has been so radically changed that his agenda no longer matters. It doesn't matter what his plans were anymore. It doesn't matter what his goals were. He has one pursuit and one purpose and he says, Here am I, send me. The Lord then says to him, Go, go and tell this people. And he gives him his message. When we're willing to allow the fire of God to come into our lives, we will begin to have the heart of God and we'll begin to hear the voice of God. Are we ready to pursue him? Just him. Not even all the things he can do for us, as wonderful as that is. But are you in love with Jesus Christ? Is he the consuming passion of your heart? When you wake up in the morning, do you just bask in his sweet presence? He wants to fill us, overflow us. Second Chronicles, we all know this, 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Hmm. I believe God is calling us into a season of prayer, intense prayer for the harvest, for the lost. But do you know, before you can pray effectively, you have to humble yourself. It's a prerequisite for prayer. We like to think maybe that we can pray boldly and with authority. But before we can get to either of those things, we must start with humility. In February, I had um, a very intensive lesson on humbling myself before I pray. Um, I now clean one of the doctor surgeries in town and I do it early in the morning from 5.30 to 7.30. And I absolutely love it because it is one-on-one -on -one time with just Jesus and myself. And um, the, the beautiful sweetness of our time together but the first week I was there I was so pumped I was so excited I'm like two hours every morning Jesus says imagine how many people we can pray for this is so exciting so I brought to him the first person that was in my mind and on my heart and I began to pray for them and I was praying really specifically because there was things that I knew of that they were going through uh, that really needed God. But I also knew that things that they were going through, you know, there was some stuff that mm, probably needed to change uh, in their life as well. And I'm sure you can understand too, if you have a particularly a, a family member, you ever looked at them and, and seen things that maybe God could change in them? Um, you know, it, it's pretty hard for me to find anything for God to change in Jeremy, but occasionally I find a few things that I say, you know, Lord, it would be great if you change that. And um, he, he probably sees a lot of things in me that every night is like, oh, Lord, my wife. But, um, uh, well, I was kind of approaching my prayer from that angle. I was seeing some stuff and I was asking the Lord to, to move in those areas. But do you know, he stopped me. And it was like I had a little um, video playing in my mind, um, like the old-fashioned 
you know, reel-to-reel videos. We had them when I was a tiny little kid. And um, it was just like this, even the sound of that reel-to-reel going in my mind. And I saw myself, and I saw the same attitude in myself that I was praying about in this other person. And I went, ooh, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I began to repent, and I, I, I began to allow him to deal with that. Well, do you know, every single time that week that I prayed for someone, it didn't matter who it was, I began to pray, Lord, let them see this, open their eyes to this. You'd open my eyes to it in me. And it was the whole speck and log thing. I didn't realise you could fit that many logs in your own eye. But, oh, my goodness, they were coming out in abundance. And by the last day, I went to pray. I said, Lord, I just asked, one moment, Never mind. Um, because I began to realise that mm, I don't know if just praying about the faults you see in other people is what he was really intending. So I then said, well, how would you like me to pray? And he began to give me eyes to see what he could see and a heart to feel what he could feel. And I began to pray for people with such passion, the word of the Lord over their life. Oh, that they would know the depth of the riches of his love. That they would know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of his love. That they would be filled with the love of God. And that they would have exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think or dare to dream or imagine, I began to prophesy the word of God over their life. Oh, I thank you that that person is such a woman or man of God, whoever I was praying for. I thank you for your purpose coming out in their life, that their path is your path, that they walk in the light of your countenance. It's so much fun to prophesy and to pray the word of God. And it means that you're not praying out of your soulish realm. You're not praying your will be done in someone's situation. You're actually waiting on the Lord to hear his heartbeat. And your prayer comes out of humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my hand. No, seek my face. He wants us to seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. You might think, well, I'm a believer. I don't have wicked ways. Remember, wicked means crooked. And there might just be something in your life that you're not going straight in, that somehow it's been a bit bent out of shape. In fact, how many times do we feel bent out of shape over something or someone who's offended us? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Have you noticed anyone in our community that needs healing? Wow. 
What a promise. If my people, who are called by my name, are we actually walking in his name, living in his name? Are we Christians? Is it truly no longer us who lives? Have we completely died to the flesh? But now it's Christ who lives in us. And our sole purpose and focus and everything we do is just about him. <sighs> Humble yourself. 1 Peter 5, why don't we turn there together? This is an amazing passage. First uh, Peter chapter 5. For the sake of time, I've only done a few verses, but this is so talking about for two chapters beforehand, submitting to one another, learning how to humble ourselves. And then he, he continues on. Um, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. <sighs> James tells us that if you submit to God, you can then resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it comes with that humility. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In Joel chapter 2, and I want us to turn there because it was a, a significant portion and I'm going to finish in, in Joel, so... Can you turn there in your Bibles and we can read this together? Um, but this is going to flow into next Sunday night, what I believe God has for us. So um, Joel chapter 2 and um, Isaiah Joel. Let's read this together. So Joel chapter 2 and we're going to pick it up in verse 12. And my Bible has this little heading, a call to repentance. So Joel 2 verse 12 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent? and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people and sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who ministered to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? We had a girl at um, Kids Club just uh, on Friday who asked one of our, um, actually I think it was M, Is God real? Is God real? Do you remember that? When did you get on the stage sitting together? But I believe that is the question that our community are asking. Is God real? 
Like, what makes you different to anybody else? This says that the nations, why should they say among the people, where is their God? It says, the priest who ministered to the Lord, let them weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do you know the Bible says, as believers, that we are now kings and priests unto our God? He's made us kings and priests. That means that this verse can now be applicable to every single one of us. So to give you an illustration, he says, let the priest weep from the porch all the way out here, from the porch all the way to the altar, and let them say, spare your people, oh God. The great revival in Argentina was birthed because the Lord began to move on a group of young people and they began to have a spirit of intercession come over them. It was a supernatural thing. They had this, this room and unlike our walls, the walls of their building were just cement. But God broke out in such a way amongst them that these young people began to pray and to weep for the loss of their community. They wept and wept and wept, literally for hours. They said you could see the stains of their tears on the walls. They would go to work, they would come back to the church and they would pray and weep all night. And they would go to work and they would come back to the church and they would pray and weep all night. They did this for six weeks and then such a move of God broke out in their community. People were getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands. I believe revival is birthed out of prayer. Can we allow God to so move our hearts that we are no longer interested in just our own desires, not even just praying for our own needs, but that we would catch the heart of God and we would begin to weep and to pray for the lost. Can the priest begin to minister before the Lord? Can they weep for their communities, for their families, for God's people? A beautiful promise comes out of this. One that we're all familiar with in Joel chapter 2, um, verse 28, and it will come to pass afterward. So verse 28 comes after verse 12 and verse 18 that we were just reading in verse 17. Afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And verse 32 says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Next Sunday, we're going to have a prayer and worship evening. And I am believing that we will have an Isaiah chapter 6 experience. That we will feel the presence of the Lord so fill this room. It would be like it was shaken 
with his glory, that he would cleanse us and that we could hear the voice speaking in heaven, who will I send? Who will go for me? And that he will commission each and every one of you, empower you, fill you, and then send you for his purpose and his call. Because I believe the harvest is ripe, but the labor is a few. I know that God is pouring out his spirit. Can we prepare our hearts for what he wants to do? Can we prepare our hearts that maybe the people he brings in this room aren't going to be as all together as we might like to think we are? Maybe they might be broken. Maybe they might be smelly. Maybe they might not have it all figured out. But all they need is Jesus. And I want them to meet him here. I want them to be welcome. I want whatever it is that God is going to do. I don't want my traditions and my religious hat to stop what he wants to do. So if we can be like Isaiah and truly catch his heart, then I believe, I believe that we will see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about years, even months. I, I know the stirring is already there. What if, what if he revived us? And what if we saw revival break out? Who desires that? Can I see some hands this morning? Who desires to see revival, to see God change? That's a majority, people. We have his promise that if we will humble ourselves and pray, he will hear. He will pour out his spirit. Ah. <sighs> Would you stand with me this morning? And um, Jeremy, would you mind coming up on the keys for me, please? That would be awesome. Thank you. I want to give an opportunity. If, if you don't know Jesus, don't wait not even one more minute until you meet him. <sighs> the verse that I started with, holy and awesome is his name. Our God is incomparable. There is no one, nothing, no one can compare with Jesus. He came, God in the flesh, gave his life, the innocent for the guilty. And if we would but put our trust in him, it says, we will be saved. Translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I want you to close your eyes in this place this morning, just so we can have a focus. If you're here and you say, Nigga, I want to meet this Jesus. I want to meet a God who can change my life, who can cleanse me of my sin. And just put your hand up so I can see it. Thank you. Are there any other hands? Because today, God wants to cleanse you. He wants to set you free from that slave master of sin. Those watching online, if you're at home and you want to respond, put your hand up in your living room, wherever you're watching. The Lord sees you. I just want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. It's just a simple prayer. But if you mean it from your heart, the scripture says you will be saved. So why don't we say this together? Lord Jesus, 
I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I repent of my wicked ways. Please cleanse me and forgive me. I choose to follow you as my saviour. Make me your child. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Just while your eyes are closed, if you're in this place and you know that maybe there's been some stuff on a throne in your life that hasn't been God. Maybe, maybe it's time that you need to see something die in your life, just like King Uzziah had to die for Uzziah to see the Lord. Would you just raise your hand and just say, today I need a, I'm going to allow the Lord to, to deal with some stuff in my heart. I don't want anything to come between me and God. I want to be ready for what he's doing. I want to be positioned to receive. I want to be like Isaiah and have my lips cleansed. Thank you. I just want to pray for you. Father, you see these people. You see each one of us, Lord. I'm asking, Father, that you would help us to recognize the deceptive things in our lives that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of Christ. And that, Father, we would be firm in taking those things captive to the obedience of Christ. Father, I'm asking that collectively here, this group, your church, your people, called by your name, that every single one of us would have your fire ignited within us, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us. Father, that we would, like on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that, Father, we would be witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria to the outermost parts of the earth. Father, send us into the harvest. And, Father, we pray for revival. Lord, we pray you would revive our hearts and that then in turn, Lord, you would revive this town. Lord, that Stanthorpe would be a place known for the move of God here. That, Father, people would come to encounter you from all over, from the north, the east, the south, the west. That they would be drawn to you, Jesus. Father, we're asking for salvations in this town. We're asking for salvations in our family. We're asking for the prodigals to come home, for the hard hearts to be softened. Father, for people who have been away from you to suddenly realise that they're in a pig pen and there's food in the Father's house. Father, that they would come home. Lord, open the eyes of their understanding that they may know that in you is a hope like no other hope, that you have a calling for them, that you know them by name. Father, you are calling them. And Father, we call the lost of Stanthorpe and we say, come home in the name of Jesus. We call the lost of our community, the broken, the maimed, the lame, the crippled, those who are outcast. We call you in the name of Jesus, come home. You're wanted, you're accepted, you're valued by our heavenly Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for preparing our hearts for what you want to do. Lord, I don't want to stand in the way of what you want to do. And I don't want to be offended when you do move, God. Lord, help us. We're Vineyard Christian Church, but beyond that, we are 
just the family of God, your children. And I pray that there would not be any that would miss out, but that, Lord, as you move, that we would be like in the day of Pentecost, of one heart and of one mind, that we would be solely focused on you. We thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would change our lives this week. That the Lord would keep us and preserve us from all evil. And that we would hear. We would hear what's happening in the throne room. Take us to the throne room. In the name of Jesus.